Hey guys, you're listening to Metal Matters, a weekly gimme radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill. If you like metal, punk, hardcore, or anything extreme, you've come to the right place. So subscribe and never miss out. Hey everybody, another episode of Metal Matters is coming at you. This week we got my good friend Sammy Duet of the Mighty Goat Horde. It's a band that I've respected and loved for years, decades. One of the hardest working bands, one of the greatest live bands you'll ever see. It was uh, great to catch up with Sammy. We talked about his brand new forthcoming limited LTD guitar, which, um, I mean, he's had a relationship with ESP for quite a while now. And he's got a brand new uh, signature guitar coming out. And then we talk about a bunch of records we dig. So uh, let's have at it. Goat Whore is always really busy. You know, you guys are on tour constantly. Uh, every time I look, you guys are out on the road somewhere. So in the face of all this, uh, you know, quarantine virus bullshit, have you guys had to cancel anything or anything like that? Actually, no, which is pretty crazy. Kind of, it, it kind of worked out to where we didn't have to cancel anything. I think we had some shit towards like the end of the year. Yeah, the end of the year but, might might actually be uh, optimistically looking forward to the end of the year as a possibility of getting getting back to doing live stuff. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's still kind of. It's still st- it's still up in the air as well, you know what I'm saying? We might just call it and just be like, you know what, the situation is what it is. Uh, we wouldn't want to go and, like, do these shows and have, like, the fucking promoters lose money because, okay, let's say it's going to be in a 400-capacity fucking room. You're only going to be allowed to fucking let in, like, 100 people, yeah. you know what I'm saying? No, that's totally true. So, yeah. I mean... It's, you know, a hundred people isn't what the promoter is going to be expecting and with the money and all that bullshit. So we might just pull it, pull all the shit and just be like, you know, fuck it. You know, we don't want to fuck nobody over and we'll just just keep on taking our time writing, you know? Yeah, that's probably, that's probably the most reasonable like path forward i think yeah it, it does suck because i'm fucking going crazy and i want to fucking play in front of people and jam out and shit but it's that's not an option at this point but uh you know i mean i'm just trying to make best the best of a bad situation how has yeah, this stuff but, affected you in general man like uh you know things um you know this the whole country's all fucked right now uh in general it didn't really affect me much because I don't really when at home I don't really go anywhere you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. I'll go to I'll go to a show like once a month or two months or something something comes in to town that I'm interested in but you know I don't really you know, I'll go to the grocery store or shit like that you know but it's not like I'm some social butterfly or anything <laughs> you know yeah, so right. it's like I'm, I basically just stay home and fucking and fucking fuck with my guitars and fuck with music, basically. I don't really go out a whole lot, you know? Well, with that said, is there a new... I heard that there's a new Goat Whore record that's uh, possibly on the horizon. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, yes. It's, we have a lot... Well, actually, we were scheduled to go in before this 
shit happened to go into the studio and uh, some things happened. We decided to push it back. You know what I'm saying? Just because, you know, uh, I've always had this fucking thing to every album I put out. There's always been one or two songs on the record that I listened to after the record's done. And I'm like, man, if I only had like a month or two more, I could have made this song so much better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was kind of, it was kind of those moments when we were getting ready to actually start booking recording time. So we just kind of pushed and we kind of pushed off and said, well, let's, let's wait a little while longer and let's tighten up a couple of more songs and see what, see where that goes. Then this shit happened. It's like I don't really have a choice but to work on the new songs now because we're not going to be going in the studio anytime soon. So, but we have a lot of shit, but I just want to make this record the best record I could possibly make it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. I'm not not trying to make it, you know, I'm not saying that this is going to be our rain in blood or whatever, you know what I'm saying? It's just... I just want it to be the best possible go to a record it could possibly be. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be all over the place, you know, musically. It's going to be a lot of fucking punk shit. There's definitely a lot of more black metal sounding stuff in it, you know, more kind of like the older style stuff that we're dabbling in. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's some, it's kind of all over the place. You just got to have to wait and hear it, man. I can't really, I don't want to give too much away, you know? That's actually my favorite stuff that you guys do when it's uh, it's got more of that crusty sort of uh, like old school like sound, you know. And, and uh, oh yeah, there, there's a lot of that. <laughs> Trust yeah. me. Nah, it's cool. I like that. You guys have been a band for a really long time, and it's um, just with respect to Ben. I remember seeing you guys play when Ben was still going with with Soylent Green, and Gold Horror was almost like this, you know, this side thing. And now this is the right. the main thing that is like really like this this is like a you guys are like really at like a, a level right now where most people I think when they think of you and they think of Ben they think of Goat Whore. you know they don't think of like your past bands that you were in you guys are both in some great bands yeah it's it's kind of weird how it worked out like that right yeah because uh, you know you hit it on the head you know it started off as like just something to do. Where you know, I was in Crowbar at the time and mm-hmm. then was in Soil and Green. And it was just something to do when on our off time from those bands, you know, and you know, we, we took it seriously. It wasn't like something that it was like a joker and just like, you know, we'll do it when we have time. We you know, we were constantly working on it. But, you know, it wasn't something that you know, that was we didn't expect it to get to where it's at right now, let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, so, it's, it's awesome, though, you know, because it's, it's sort of hit right at the right time, too. Like, when, uh, like, you guys have been putting the time in, putting the years in to the band. And then, you know, black metal was sort of uh, still very underground. And then uh, there was a couple of years where certain bands got to be, uh, like, bigger commercially. And I think that kind of opened the doorway for, for bands like Goat Whore and, and other bands to like have that sort of, to enjoy that sort of success, you know? Yeah, but it, what's weird is, you know, it's like, 
we've always been like talked down upon in the black metal circles as fucking, you know, all these people talking shit about us, you know, like, Oh, they're not true black metal and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, whatever, fuck off idiot. You know? Yeah. Oh, I know. But, I know, know that feeling. <laughs> it's, it's fucking stupid, you know? I'm not, you know? It's like, dude, you're not fucking, well, maybe they are, you know? Maybe it's just a bunch of 13-year-olds just talking a bunch of shit that don't know fucking, that live in their mom's fucking basement, you know? They don't realize, you know, actually what this shit is really about, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. But, uh, with- and speaking of which, dude, the new Tombs record is fucking fantastic. Oh, thank you so much, man. I I really I really appreciate that. I mean, we're we're actually yeah, going into, fucking... you know, I, I really coming from you guys. I appreciate that because I look up to both you and Ben and the rest of the band. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, I heard it. I heard it when it came out, and I was like, "This is it, it's it's different than the oldest stuff." It's like how can it seems like you streamlined it more, became more focused with that with the new record and it you know it's fucking it shows and it's fucking sick dude it's fucking oh, great man dude, thank you so much man it's like you know I, I was just ripping what ripping off what you do you know what i'm saying like i just <laughs> i just like well, i'm just i'm just i'm just ripping off celtic frost and fucking venom so, <laughs> so that's what we're just, both just, just ripping just, off frost and venom and that's how we do it you know just go just go straight to the source you know <laughs> And uh, you've you've been with ESP for a while now, right? Like that's been your your sponsor for many yeah. years. Like it's been, if I remember correctly, somewhere around ten years, nine, ten years, somewhere around there. What's but, even more yeah. awesome is you got a brand new limited edition LTD coming out, signature guitar, and uh, yes, we brand new. It's not released yet, though, right? No, there we are. They're in the process of, I think, like making it right now so being with the shit that we're dealing with right now it's kind of hard to get guitars from asia to the united states i bet so um right now it's it's definitely the wheels are definitely in motion everything is like everything's fucking green light it's good we're just waiting i'm just waiting for a prototype to come in to approve it and make sure that everything's good on it then we're gonna do 30 30 of this particular one and it's only going to be available through uh chandro guitars it's a guitar store in uh wisconsin somewhere oh, i want to wow. say okay. so this guy but this guy that owns a store he only deals in like custom shop like one of a kind like top of the line guitars you know what i'm saying he doesn't he doesn't deal in any like imports or like cheaper guitars like a cheap guitar in his store would probably be like two, three grand yeah yeah that's that's still pretty so he, uh, he, uh, pretty, pretty yeah. decent price you know it's like a decent amount of money so 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 what he did was he ordered a uh, a custom shop version of one of my uh esp custom one of my esps mm-hmm. and um I was like, wow, it's fucking insane. That, you know, I never expected anybody to actually do that, you know? And he, he ordered one, and it's like a replica of, like, one of my main ones that I've been using for years. And then apparently the response to that, he hasn't gotten it yet, but he posted somewhere on Facebook or something like that that he ordered it. And then the response was, like, fucking, like, over, like really fucking crazy. 
so he was like, so what do you think about, you know, instead of doing the fucking $5,000 model, do something that's a little bit cheaper and do the LTD version. I was like, yeah, let's, let's get with ESP and put our heads together and see what we can come up with. And that's basically how it happened. So what we're going to do is the 30, we're going to do 30 of these guitars and it's going to come with like a, like a, like a special kit. Cause they had to make the case differently. Right. Because it's it's such a wacky shape, they had to make a special case. So Tony actually was like, "Well, being that we're gonna have to make the case custom, basically anyway, why don't we do like a graphic on the case?" Oh man! So we're gonna do like we're gonna do like the big coffin graphic that we have on the fucking case. Damn. So it's gonna it's the case is the case is gonna look pretty fucking sweet with the guitar, you know? So it's going to be like a complete package. It's not wow. like you're going to get just some plain old fucking gig okay. bag. With yeah. it. It's going to be like <laughs> yeah. a, nice, a nice case with a big coffin with some satanic symbols on it That'd be with sick, the guitar, man. you know? Yeah, it'd be funny yeah, if yeah. you got this awesome guitar and you just got this fucking uh, cheap-ass like gig bag to put it in. That'll be funny. I hate when that. I, I've had that happen <laughs> oh, yeah. before, actually. And it's, it's like I paid fucking four thousand dollars for this guitar, and I got a fucking gig bag. <laughs> fucking uh, it pisses me off, man. So you know, we wanted to do something where it's the complete package, you know. So I was looking at a picture of this thing, and it's um, it has like a like maybe like a Iron Bird like basic kind of shape to it. Is that is that right? Kind of. Well, I originally saw this shape because I've always been a fan of like the Iron Birds and I've always been a fan of like the regular stars, like the dude from Loudness Plays and mm -hmm. stuff. So I was in Japan and we were doing some, we did like three shows in Japan. Like this is a lot, this is a long ass time ago, man. This is like on our second record touring cycle. And we went to this, we're, you know, we went to this fucking store. It was actually a store that was in this huge mall in like Tokyo. And it was like an, it was a guitar store that was fucking enormous, but it was like, it was just guitars. There were like no drums. There was barely any basses. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, it was, it was fucking insane. And shit they had in the store was fucking crazy. And I actually saw the ESP, the shape that I used, they actually had an ESP, uh, production model in that store and i was like holy fucking shit would you look at that fucking thing but it was like super fucking expensive and to get the guitar back to america would have been a fucking pain in the ass and it came with a gig bag <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Flying, flying from japan to uh united states with a gig bag uh, on a brand new guitar i wouldn't have been uh i wouldn't have been too happy with that but i took i played the guitar in the store and I took down the model name. It was, uh, I think the model name was like the RS320. And I always remembered that. And I was like, when I got the opportunity with ESP, I was like, well, you know, I, I got a couple of ESPs from them. I was like, well, would y'all be, you know, can y'all still make this guitar? But like, I'll tweak it to my specs and stuff. And they were like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, it's an ESP model, so go with it. And that's how I actually saw that shape. And that's the shapes that I use now, you know, yeah. but yes, it is very reminiscent of an iron bird, but I think it's a little bit more, how can I say it? It's not as chubby looking as the iron bird, you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, it's got this like sleek kind of vibe to it, you know, like like very uh, very sleek yeah. looking. Yeah. Yes, exactly. The Ironbird's kind of chubby in the middle. You yeah. Know? As far as like the bridge and all that kind of stuff, and uh, like what what kind of you know got like Seymour Duncan's in it. Like what's what's the other uh, the other technical stuff going on with this guitar? Yeah, it's uh, I got this. It's gonna have the same exact Seymour Duncan pickup that I use. It's uh, the Seymour Duncan the Blackout Metal. Yep. It's not the regular. It's not the regular blackout. It's a blackout metal. I think it's an AHB two, which is definitely a more intense pickup than the regular blackouts. So I, I, we got that in there. It's gonna have stainless steel frets on it. Uh, it's gonna have a Floyd Rose tremolo with all like stainless steel hardware on it because the regular Floyd ones, as I've learned from touring so much, the regular Floyd hardware on it kind of tends to rust and strip out like after a year or two yeah but then they started making stainless steel replacement hardware for it which i've never had any issues with at all so i got to do a floyd rose basically this is as close as to a, a custom shop version of my guitar as you're gonna get so you know and it's only this 30 this limited 30 it's literally only through chandro guitars yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. So, and how can people get to that if they want to order it? The ChandroGuitars.com. Okay. Send it. And he's all. I think he's all over Facebook and he's all over fucking Instagram and stuff. So, basically, all I have to do is type in Google Chandro Guitars and some information should pop up and just go and bug him. Cool, man. Thirty. That's gonna go quick. You know. That's yeah, that's a, what he lot. was saying. But uh, ESP was actually talking about if these 30 go quick, we're going to do a, a regular production model like that you'll be able to get like at Sweetwater and stuff like that, just like in any store. But they're going to be some – I don't want to make it exactly like the limited 30. You know, I want the limited 30 to be special to those that got it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. If, if we do do a full production model of this, I'll, I'm going to change – some things from the uh, differently from the first 30 that came out, maybe like a different color or possibly, you know, something like that. And this one's black, right? The limited one. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. But the other one, but it has like binding on the neck and inlays. And uh, what I was thinking about doing, if we do the full, uh, the full LTD line that you're able to get actually, beyond the 30 is maybe doing like a flat black one with like no binding, just completely solid black, possibly like no inlays on it. Oh yeah. Or possibly like just probably maybe just one inlay on it or something, you know, just like make it different from the 30, you know, but still look fucking sick, you know? Yeah. Actually that, that style, the flat black, I got one of those, uh, like they got those black metal LTDs that came out. I got a, I got two of those. Yeah. And it's got that same finish on it, which are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have a few. Uh, I got one. What did I get? I got the um, the arrow one. Yeah, that one's sick. I have one of those. Yeah, that's fucking real cool. But I got a couple of older ones when I first when I first got with ESP. I think they were called like the NV two. Okay. And they uh they're a flying V shape, but they're like they're flat black. But they came with the fucking it's like they weren't they weren't completely solid black though. They had like this um 
this weird pearl binding, and he had like iron cross inlays, and had that fucking stupid tail of tremolo on it. But yeah, right on. The flat black, the flat black ESP finishes they 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 do a pretty good job of. Yeah, I like them. You know. Yeah, man, for sure. So, what I've been going through in this whole quarantine scenario is uh, really being thankful that I have my records around me. And, uh, but then again, I think like what happens if like, uh, I was in a plane crash or something and I got stranded on an Island and, uh, I only had a certain number of records to take with me. And, uh, I figured I'd ask you since, uh, you and I probably like a lot of the same music. <laughs> what, uh, what records would, are must haves if you were in an isolated situation on a desert Island? Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is Fucking difficult, Mike. <laughs> Fuck. Like, like the five of them? Yeah, something like that. Like five, you know. Fuck. Well, first off, definitely to Mega Theory on by Celtic Frost. I think we can all agree that would that. that. That would have to be there, you know what I'm saying? Oh, man. Second. Second would probably be... Drawing down the moon by Beharit. That that, that would have to be a. a that's like their go-to record, man. That's um. It's it's such a fucking good record, though, man. You know that I mean, the first time I heard Beharit was actually my friend, the original drummer for Goat Horse, Zach Nolan, actually ordered the cassette of the Oath of Black Blood when it came out. Like this was like the early nineties. Yeah. And he actually he ordered the uh, he actually ordered the vinyl, but they didn't have the vinyl, so he got they sent him the cassette instead. And we had no idea what this band sounded like. You know what I'm saying? He bought it because the album cover looked fucking cool. Yeah, that's good. So we, 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 we put this album on, and we we listened to the whole thing. We listened to side one of the cassette, and then we're like. This has to be the most evil fucking sounding band we've ever heard in our life. Because it's like the older Black Blood just has that fucking weird production and all the vocals are just like fucking like, it's almost like they're whispering through a distortion pedal. Yeah. And then we flipped it over and it's like the first song on side two was uh, Beast of Damnation, which is still to this day, in my opinion, the most evil song that's ever been recorded ever and that song came on and we were just like dude this band fucking rules and then like uh like a year or two go by and drawing down the moon came out and we didn't know what to expect from that either you know because we were like is it gonna sound like the oath of black blood and it it, it kind of did but they like they refined they refined their sound they became more focused you know what i'm saying yeah and when we heard when i heard that record drawing down the moon it was just like this is possibly one of the greatest records ever recorded, you know. It's just something. It's something about the entire record. Like, all, I mean, the songwriting, the performances, the sound on the record. It's just like they hit the mark on each, on each, you know, facet. To where it was just like, I don't know if they meant to do that or if that was an accident, but it it just came out. You know, if it came out any differently, it wouldn't be the same. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, also that that record seems um like uh it it has almost like a it's like a slower like more mid tempo kind of vibe to it, you know what I mean? There's like Yeah. You know, and it just it's it's that's the same thing I love about Frost is just like that tempo that they work with. I feel like on that Beharit record on Drawing Down the Moon, it's the same kind of thing. Whereas like the older records like more fast and kind of frantic sounding, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it seems like they kind of, for lack of a better term, it seems like they found their bitch on that record. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like to where the older stuff is like more chaotic and it's like, you know, not to talk shit on them, but it sounded like they're almost struggling to kind of play, you know what I'm saying? But that's oh, yeah. kind of the charm. That's kind of the charm of it to where Drawing Down the Moon was like the, the, the musical performances, like you could actually you know, understand what they're playing rather than like some of the older releases. You just, there's, there's moments on the older releases where you have no idea what the fuck is going on. You know, yeah. I don't even think they know what's going on, you know, but you know, that record is just, it's, uh, I'll Nurgle from behemoth told me one time we were talking about this record. We were talking about drawing down the moon and he described it as a glowing, the, the record glows. And that, that's a good way to describe it, you know. Yeah, it's it's a it, it, it's it's a very illuminated record, you know. Also, I feel like there's a lot of bands. I feel like Beharit is a band that, like, the world of metal is kind of caught up to them now. Like, there's um, I felt like they were so much ahead of their time, and now there's like uh some of the some of the newer bands. I mean, they're not really new, but a band like uh this band Impetuous Ritual, like. That's yeah, yeah. they kind of have like a similar thing like Beharit, you know, and they're like a way newer band. So I feel like, yeah, like that sort of influence that they had is like projected like into the future. Because I mean, I think this record came out like what, like ninety or eighty nine or something like that, like a long time ago. Yes, man. yeah, somewhere on there. But yeah, I I totally understand what you're talking about. To where it's like. You know, all these youngsters are starting to catch up with our with our old asses. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, at the same time, you know, that Beharit was around, you know, you had bands like Sarcophago and Blasphemy that were very similar in style as well. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So there was, a, there was a thing going on to where those three bands kind of had this interlocking kind of mental thing when they were writing, you know? Yeah, totally. To where... You know, they were all very similar, but had their different aspects that definitely made them, you know, where you could hear a Blasphemy record and not confuse it with a Beharit record or a fucking sarcophago record, you know? Now, with Frost, you guys toured with Frost. Yep, that was, that was, uh, I could die after doing that tour. Well, I was going to say, man, I know, <laughs> I know how important uh, Celtic Frost is to you guys, and uh, that must have been a trip. Yeah, it was like that that point in time, you know, it was uh it was fucking insane for Goat Whore, you know, because we had I think we had did we had did the Venom tour before that. Well, Kronos's version of Venom. Yeah. And it was like uh it was like two weeks with that. So I was like, We're stoked on that. We're like, fuck man, you know, what's gonna top this? Celtic Frost? <laughs> And then, like, then like fucking uh, a couple of months later, it's like, oh, you got this tour with Celtic Frost. I want y'all to tour with him. So it was like, it was like, 
hammered like twice right there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, holy fuck. Then it's like right after that, we uh, got the two Emperor reunion gigs oh, man. that happened in like, that happened in uh, California. So it was just like Venom, Celtic Frost, Emperor reunion. And it's like, all right, the only thing that's really going to, what's going to, what, I, I hope that something comes along. It's like, what's going to come next? Like Motorhead Slayer or something like that? But, you know, obviously that didn't happen, but, you know, that, that was a good, uh, that was a good touring cycle right there. You know, that, that was like, that was like the happiest I've been in a long time and during that period of time, you know? Yeah, totally, man. That's that, and that record actually, I, I like that record quite a bit, Monotheist, you know? It's... Yeah, that Monk of the Monotheist is fucking heavy as hell, you know? That's why I like I really like the Triptychon stuff oh, yeah. because it's like it's like it took where they were going with Monotheus to the next level. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And you know I really liked Monotheus, but when I heard the Triptychon stuff, I was like, "Yeah, that my boy Tom G ain't letting me down, man." Yeah, the Triptychon's got like more. That's uh, like they added more layers of stuff to it, you know, than what they were doing on Monotheus, you know, and and. Uh... Yeah. Expanded it a little bit, you know. Yeah, I think they were kind of, you know, this is just my opinion, but I just think that they were kind of experimenting with monotheists. That they really were just kind of, you know, kind of just rolling with it rather than having a, a set concrete idea to where, you know, I think Tom really, you know, zeroed in on that idea that he started with monotheist and took it into Triptychon and just made it, you know, more of what that was, you know? Yeah. I really hope at some point, uh, Triptychon comes back to the States, man. That's, uh, it's been a while since I've seen them play live. Yeah. The fucking, I've seen them a few times. It's always been awesome. I love the Triptychon stuff. And I recently, it was, uh, was it last year at cycle Las Vegas, uh, Hellhammer. They did. Tom did that Hellhammer yep. set. I remember that, that. Was, that was that was fucking awesome, man. Yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that it feels like something like that would be like a once in a lifetime event, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just seeing Hellhammer, I was just that's another thing that I never expected to experience in my life, you know, is to see Hellhammer live, you know, and. It was it was fucking awesome, man. I was like, uh, I, I feel sorry for the people that were around me when they were playing. Let's just put it that way. Because <laughs> I, I was, needless to say, I was having a pretty good time, you know. Yeah, man. You know, that's what's, it's, you got you got to enjoy life while you while you have life, man. You know. Absolutely, spoken like a true prodigy, Mike. <laughs> All right, so we got um, Celtic. We got Celtic Frost. Uh, two Megatherium. We got Beharit drawing down the moon. And what what else we got in your list here? Oh man, It'd definitely be a Plasmatics record. There cool. has to be a Plasmatics record in there. Even fuck, man. But which one? I would say Probably, the whole thing, uh, man. Yeah, I mean, every that's uh, it's hard for me to choose a favorite because they're all such different records from each other. But if I had to choose one, it would probably be Coupe de Ta. Okay. Yeah. That it, it would it would 
that would probably be if I had to choose one, like just like this is it. That would be the one to choose, you know. Let me ask you a question. Are you I, I know um are, are you fans of Gigi Allen? You fan of Gigi Allen? Yes, yes, I am actually. Would that make your list? Anything by him? Gigi Allen? No, the Plasmatics would beat out fucking Gigi Allen. All right. Okay, cool. I mean, I liked I liked Gigi Allen, but I like the Plasmatics music more. You know, you, you know, know what I really like by Gigi is his acoustic stuff. Was, yeah, his, his acoustic stuff is pretty fucking, you know, it's something you don't expect, you know. It's actually really good songs, you know. Yeah, you know. But... I mean, Gigi's cool and all that shit, but yeah, you know, I'm, you know, I've always Plasmatics are probably just my go-to punk band. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, being a, a New York, a New York guy, I have to give props to the Plasmatics too, for sure. You know? Yeah, man. And what sucks is that you know this was this was when I was growing up. We they had a show, they had a concert out here. It was Kiss on the Creatures of the Night tour, and uh, it was on Mardi Gras, so it was a big deal. And pla- the Plasmatics were on that tour. Oh wow! And I, I, I just heard of the Plasmatics right before they announced that tour had happened, and it was in the Superdome. It was a big fucking deal and all this shit. And I was like, dude, this is gonna be fucking awesome. The Plasmatics and Kiss in the Superdome. You know, I was a kid. I was stoked. Then, I think three days before the New Orleans show, the Plasmatics dropped off the tour. Oh, man. Yep, exactly. So, that really sucked. <laughs> now, Creatures of the Night was uh, that Ace Freely. That was, that was, he wasn't on that one. It was like uh, Eric Carr, I think. Uh, he, uh, Ace Freely was on the cover, but. Uh, Vinnie Vincent was actually playing guitar on the tour, ah. and I'm not I'm not sure who actually played guitar on the record. Somebody said it was it's I'm, I'm not the biggest Kiss fan, so don't quote me on this. But it was like either like Rick Derringer or oh, wow. somebody. It was just some session guy because like Ace Frehley just wouldn't even show up to the recording studio anymore. It was just at that point in Kiss' career where they were just like over it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So Kid, Kid, so Ace Freely didn't even like show up to the recording sessions. So they just got like this. They just hired this session dude to play on the record, you know what I'm saying? Then for like the live thing when they did when they did the tour for that, that's when they hired uh, Vinnie Vincent. Oh, right on. Yeah, I think that uh, Creatures of the Night had uh, I think like War Machine was like the song I like on that record. Yeah, War Machine's a great song. They had uh, I Love It Loud on that record. Oh, yeah. I mean, yep. there's a bunch of really good songs on that record, you know? Rick Derringer, that's uh, the rock and roll hoochie coo guy, right? That's him, man. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Wait, you know, I, I might be wrong. I think actually Vinnie Vincent might have actually played on the record, and that's why they got him to do the tour. I, I don't know. I'm not a Kiss expert like I, some people, so I have I'd no like idea. to think... I like to think of uh, Rick Derringer and Kiss, though. That'd be kind of cool. <laughs> I know he did do some session shit on some records because fucking Ace Freely was like, either just didn't show up to the recording sessions or he was like, he got there and he couldn't play because he was just fucked up. 
Yeah. So, so, so something like that. Uh, maybe it was like on Destroyer or Rock and Roll All Night. One of those records, Rick Derringer had to fucking play in the studio for Ace because he couldn't. Yeah, Ace is probably my favorite Kiss member, honestly. Yeah, I, I agree, you know. Um, he's always been my favorite, you know, but he's always been the fuck up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why he's my favorite because he's been the fuck up, you know. Yeah. All right, so uh, what else we got here? We got uh, oh. Plasmatics, we got Frost, we got Beharit. Uh I don't know, that's a short list so Ooh. far, bro. Yeah, probably uh, Beth Bethlehem. I'm a big Bethlehem fan. Which so version of the band, man? Which version? Beth Bethlehem, Dictus Teeny Care, the second record. Nice. Okay. That record would have to come on the desert island with me, without a doubt. That's one of my absolutely absolute favorite fucking Bethlehem records ever. The new stuff I heard a couple of songs. It's pretty. It's pretty close, but there's something about Dictus Tina Care that's unsettling. You know what I'm saying? It's there's some underlying darkness on this record that's you could tell that these dudes are definitely unhinged mentally you know yeah. what i'm saying yeah definitely man and, so, and i mean every other record they did they're good don't get me wrong but that record in particular to me it just seems like these dudes were seriously fucking insane you know and just the vibe of that record is just fucking dark and it's it's just evil you know it's it's just the songs, like the riffs on that record are fucking unbelievable, you know? Like, especially when they're doing, like, the kind of, like, doomier kind of stuff, the riffs are fucking untouchable, man. Yeah, I was just going to say that, like, actually, about the doomier. There's, like, almost like a Sabbath kind of thing going on in some of those riffs. And uh, Yeah, man. It's, yeah. The, yeah, the fucking, that record is a very, very underrated record you know not a lot of people know about it and a lot of a lot of people should know about it you know because that record is just that's a very 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 dark record you know? oh yeah well i think the vocalist uh he was he wasn't on the record before that which uh their first one was dark metal right that was their first yes. first being, yeah. uh, bethlehem record and um they had yeah. a different singer on that one and then on yeah. this one they had this other guy, Rainier, something or other, and uh, yeah. And didn't that guy commit suicide or something like that? I might be wrong. No, there's there's a bunch of fucking rumors going around. It, it's no, he's he's. And there was a rumor going around that he like there was there's like a picture of him on the record where you know there's like a slight glimpse of like a lady of like a woman's leg, and like just blood on his hands. <laughs> And there were there were like a rumor going around that yeah, it's a picture of him where he killed this chick, and that's that's bull that's bullshit too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, bands like that are surrounded by you know rumors of oh well this guy, you know, killed his fucking girlfriend, and blew his head off. That's bullshit, man. It's just rumors. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like that whole um, who else did that fucking shit? It was that you know that band Silencer. Yeah, yeah, I heard of them. Yeah, where the when apparently 
there was a rumor going around where the singer for that band like killed his brother and they put him in like a mental institution and all this shit. Which I mean, I think the mental institution thing is is true, but he didn't kill anybody. But it's like you know, people like to make up rumors like that. But the singer on that second Bethlehem record, it sounds that that's another very appealing aspect to me. Is his fucking vocals on that record are fucking. It sounds like he's being burned alive in certain points. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I forget what song it is. It's towards the end of this record where he hits this scream that's, it, like, I, I know only one other person that can do a scream like that. And it's a, the guy isn't like a musician or anything. He just like, it's a scream from like the back of his throat that is like so fucking tortured sounding. But he only does it like this one time on the record. And I think it was like an accident because it's like the way he screams, it just, he's, he's screaming so fucking hard and putting so much intensity into it. That I guess like his voice cracked in this weird way to where he hit this note that's just fucking insane, you know? But yeah, the vocals on that record are fucking untouchable, man. Yeah, it sounds like he actually hurt himself on this record, to be honest. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was definitely he definitely wasn't taking it easy, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, I imagine like this guy is in you know, the booth just going just going for it. And they just hit play and record, and they just capture like whatever this this guy's doing. I don't feel like there was like, all right, take verse uh, verse one again, and then I'll punch you in. I just feel like this guy was just going for it the whole time. Yeah, and you know, that's exactly the vibe that it has. You know, to where it wasn't like, well, that take was better than this one, but it just kind of hit record and fucking do it, and whatever comes out. <laughs> <laughs> whatever comes out comes out you know <laughs> so i mean that's possibly the case you know yeah you know it, it seems it seems likely to be to be honest with you you know yeah absolutely you know just kind of just go for it fuck it <laughs> but you know i mean it came out fucking fantastic you know it, it, it's still that vocal performance as far as like that you know suicidal black metal you know, that vocal performance cannot be fucking touched by anybody that I've heard yet anyway. I've heard a lot of people try. You know, there's a lot of lot of dudes that try to go for that kind of thing, but they don't they don't hit the mark like that dude hit it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, for sure, man. Okay, so where are we at now, man? We got any more? Uh what was that four? Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, fuck. Well, man, this is fucking. This is hard, Mike. I I, I asked the hard questions, Sammy. You know, what do you, what yeah, do you think we're doing I, here? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Just let me think of something good. Shit, man, I got one. Cathedral Forest, the Equilibrium. Their first album. That would. That would that would definitely have to fucking come with me on a desert island. Yeah, man, Lee Dorian, just, man. Right after Napalm Death, that's like a, a complete 
uh, change for him, you know? Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I, I, I think what was weird, somebody was telling me a story to where, you know, the dudes in Napalm that you thought would be, like, the biggest grind heads were, like, big, big like, fucking doom metal freaks. Like, Shane Embury and Lee Dorian were big doom metal freaks, and the other guys were, like, the fucking, you know, the grind fucking fanatics, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of weird how that works out, you know? The, the people that you least expect to be the fucking, be into all the super intense shit is into, like, doom metal. But that record is just, the first time I heard that record just fucking floored me, man. Like, I, I knew it was going to be a doom metal record, but I didn't know it was going to be that kind of a doom metal record. Now, I was kind of, you know, I read some stuff about it and, you know, they were talking about, you know, kind of like Witch Find a General and Candlemass and, you know, kind of like Trouble. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, let's check it out, you know, and then I put it on and I didn't know it was going to be a doom metal record, you know, the quintessential doom metal record, you know, because yeah, I thought it was going to be more of like an upbeat kind of doom rock kind of thing going on. I didn't know it was going to be like that fucking slow and that fucking heavy, you know, because, you know, to me, in my, you know, in my personal opinion, I think that record shouldn't be the, when you say doom metal, that record should be the fucking blueprint. I think it kind of is actually for that style, at least, you know, it's, you got to think about the time it came out and, you know, and, and, uh, that, I mean, I, I don't really get into a lot of their other catalog cathedral, but uh, Force of Equilibrium yeah, think, is, is is fucking a, a standalone like classic record in my opinion. I agree. You know, they they kind of changed a little bit as they went on. You know, and the records are still good, but it doesn't have that. Uh, they they weren't. I think they were more focusing on trying to be a rock band on the later releases. Yeah. Rather than on that release, they were just like, "Fuck you." We're going to tune down the guitars as as low as we possibly can. We're going to play as slow as we possibly can and come up with the heaviest riffs we could possibly come up with. You know, I think that was their focus on that record, you know. There was and a, just, and just, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, there was a record that came out like, uh, oh man, how long ago, like, maybe 10 years ago by them called garden of earthly delights. I think it was called. That was actually pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I haven't heard that one actually. I've, I've, I need to go back and check out their other records. The last one that I heard and it was pretty, still pretty good was, um, Oh God damn it. End time. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that one either. So I, I should check yeah. that one out too. Yeah. That one, that one has some pretty, uh, it has some Forest Equilibrium moments on it, you know. It's not the whole record. The whole record isn't like that, but they, they definitely, you know, they're definitely revisiting that again, you know, which I found to be awesome, you know. Cool. All right, so we got we got one more left here. One more left. God, dog it. Let's see. Oh man, let's see. What about some real classic one shit, more- man? 
I got one, the first Danzig record. Oh, that would dude. definitely have to come with me. Oh, hell yeah. That, the, the, the Danzig self-titled Force record. That record would have to come with me. No, without a doubt. Hands down. That record is one of the greatest rock records ever recorded. Like, if you think about this, like, that record came out right around when, the, like, the cults. Remember the cult? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. When the cult, when the cult got fucking huge. Yeah. If they would have lumped in Danzig with, like, that cult crowd when they were getting giant, Danzig would have been fucking gigantic, man. But, you know... Uh, that's what I think, anyway. Oh yeah, man. I I remember when that record came out. There, you're right. There was the well, there was two cult records that that uh, Electric, which Rick Rubin yeah. produced, that who also produced yeah. a Danzig record, and uh, yeah. Sonic Temple. And I think Sonic Temple was like when they got propelled into like multi stardom when they they toured with uh, Metallica, like on the Injustice for All tour on on that record. And then I remember after that, the cult was playing like like fucking gigantic like venues and shit. But uh, it's funny, man. That you know, Danzig, Sam Hain, Misfits, like all that stuff. And then this record, which is a rock and roll album, like a dark rock and roll album in the spirit of like, you know how like legit like blues music is like fucking evil and it's got like, you know selling your soul with making deals with the devil and like all this shit, like all this like darkness. Mike. Yeah. Well, that's where I live. Mike. Yeah, I know, man. I'm, I'm so that's why I know, you know, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's totally, you know, when I hear that record, that makes me think and they sound like they could be from a new Orleans, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it has, it's not necessarily the new Orleans metal vibe, but it has that, if you've ever been to the city, it has it, it captures the feeling of this city. Yeah, which which is like the dark the dark side of this city. You know what I'm saying? And I guess that's why I kind of I've kind of always like drawn to that record. You know? Yeah, definitely, man. It's, just, it's a one it, of a kind. It de- it, yeah, it definitely has that blues kind of meet at the crossroads and sign your name in a fucking with a drop of blood kind of thing going on, you know what I'm saying? But the thing, the thing about that record too, that makes it even cooler is like in the eighties, like right around that time, that record coming out like 86, 87, that was the, the height of like, you know, bands like guns and roses who have a blues bass, but we're more into just like the kind of rock and roll, like party, like vibe without the darkness that the Danzig record had. You know what I'm trying to say? And yeah, it's almost like there was like, uh, like I'm taking, I mean, if you take like a really like upper view from the whole thing and you're not really connected to any of these things personally, like, like you and I know Danzig as being from like the punk world and we know Guns N' Roses as being like, you know, hard rock guys. But if you looked at this whole thing from like a really high viewpoint, you can put them all together somehow, except that, to me, yeah. the Danzig record would be like the one that really has like lasting power, though, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's a classic. I mean, you could put that on at a fucking party and everybody would fucking would start having a great time, you know? Yeah, man. 
It's it's, it's like it, it definitely has that crossover appeal to it. Like you're talking about, like it could have it could have been accepted by like a Guns N' Roses guy, just as much as like a fucking punk guy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I just think that but, like maybe Glenn Danzig himself, like if somebody, I mean, and I like Guns N' Roses. I think Appetite for for Destruction is a great record, you know. And um, I mean, I, I'll I'll go to bat for that record. But uh, you know, if you take a guy who's into that world, that scene. And he goes to see Danzig. Yeah. It's apples and oranges, so you know what I mean. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but, so maybe it won't work. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, probably not. No. <laughs> that record is that, that, it's like every song on that record is fucking phenomenal. You know, it's just not like one. You know, it's always that one song that you're like, eh. This this that that first Danzig record, every fucking song on that record is fucking outstanding. You know that's what made that record you know, so special to me. You know what I'm saying? It was like, you know, I come from the age where, you know, you'd listen to a whole record all the way through, and it better be a good goddamn record to listen to the whole thing all the way through. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh. That record definitely, you could listen to it twice, you know, because that it's just, it, it the songwriting is fucking, just it's it's simple, but it's got that something that you can't you can't it's 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 you you can't scientifically define it. It's just it's just there, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. But that record. It's fucking every everything from top to bottom, start to finish on that record is. Is I I, I just I think that that record could have been fucking gigantic. If it was, if maybe it was like the wrong place, the wrong time, or something like that. But that was like, you know, even to like an ACDC fan, yeah. that record would be fucking awesome. You know? Yeah, totally. I could see it, that. It's it just. It's just one of the which one of the greatest rock and roll records ever recorded, you know. I think anyway. I would have to agree with that, man. That's always been one of my favorites. I mean, I, even Danzig too, I think is great, you know, both of them together. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The Danzig too was but this one I liked it a little bit more cuz it was a little bit more raw sounding, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. the, the production on it, everything just sounded fucking huge, you know. Yeah, and it was like but, real I mean, stripped down too. It had like there was yeah, it sounded huge, but also stripped down. You know, and the guitar tones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that like Marshall like guitar tone on it, which I dug. You know. Perfect. Yeah, just just plain, just plug a Les Paul into a Marshall, and nothing in between it. Just go to town, you know. Yeah, man. But yeah, the second Danzig record is fucking awesome too. But it's a you know it's a different vibe from that one. You know, the songs of the songs on the second one are fucking awesome. If, if they would have took the production of the first one with the songs of the second one, I would hate to see what would happen, man. That would be, that would be fucking mind-blowing, you know? Uh, yeah, totally, man. I mean, it's, you know, it's amazing record. And I, I would love to have heard, maybe a remix someday, you know, maybe Danzig will remix it yeah. with, a, with a different, you know, production on it, you know? Yeah. And not that the production's bad, it's just that, that first one set a standard with the way it sounded. You know what I'm saying? 
Like, it just came out fucking, production-wise, it came out perfect. You know what I'm saying? Well, you, you mentioned uh, like you mentioned ACDC, so it's like, I'm, I'm a huge ACDC fan, and I love the way those records sound, and I think that Danzig's one, the first Danzig, has like that kind of Mutt Lang, like, very uh, stripped-down kind of raw, like, vibe to it. Yeah, absolutely. You could totally get that. You know, you could totally, you know, be like where they were like, look, make this record sound like a fucking like back in black, you know? Yeah. All right, man. Well, that's uh, that's your list. And that's uh, that's a pretty, pretty uh, solid list, if you ask me. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) Now, right about now would be the time I'd ask uh, what you guys got coming up. Uh, next, and uh, I guess the recording is the next thing on the on the block for you guys. Yeah, apparently, you know, there's not really much else for us to do but to focus on this and get this record out. It's, you know, we're still we're still writing a lot of stuff, you know, which you know is never a bad thing. You know, yeah. you can never be like, oh, I have too many songs for the record. You know, you could always just, you know, that, that's our plan is just to have a fuckload of songs that we feel strongly about and just pick the best songs out of those and use those for the record. Yeah. You know, no, that's a good, that's a good place that, to be, man, for sure. Yeah. That's, that's, that's our, that's our, that's our game plan. Well, thanks for uh, taking time out, Sammy. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, talk man, to you. I, I, I appreciate you, man. It's good talking to you again. Hell yeah. That's it for this week's episode of Metal Matters, the Gimme Radio weekly podcast. Tune in next week and see what we have in store for you. The show is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Radio, streaming on the web, iOS, or Android. For one of the best metal communities, exclusive merch, interviews with artists, and so much more. I'll catch you guys next week. Take care. I'm the soul of the mouse, there's a blow.